It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. Do you want to know what it's like to have a fourth? Just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz. Once a month, we do a segment here on the Mom Show called The State of Women in Utah. And I bring back my recurring guest to talk about different issues that are impacting women specifically here in Utah, impacting mothers and families here in Utah. Very important topics that we need to be discussing a whole lot more. Uh, but joining me now, Dr. Susan Madsen. She is with the Utah Women and Leadership Project. They have a ton of research on the ways in which women in Utah have been impacted. And specifically today, we're talking about the pandemic and the ways women in Utah have been impacted by it. And then joining me also, Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. They're a group that advocates for different uh, women and family-friendly policies, largely with legislators, but do other work as well. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. Dr. Madsen, let's just start with you. If you can can break down your incredible research on what you have found. How are women in Utah being most impacted by the pandemic? Thank you for that question. It's good, great to be back and love to talk about these important issues with you, Lindsay, and also Emily. So let me just give a little bit of background about this study. So in January, we collected extensive data and oh my gosh do we have a lot of data um, all month from almost 3,600 women in the state so we really worked hard to get women of different races we didn't get as many uh, we have lots of white women did get some from other races but different income levels educational levels and in different parts of the state so we had so many people participate, and we're just really grateful for that time. So that's a little bit about the background. And in our first brief that was that was uh, launched earlier this month, we really did just look at certain elements, and it was really stats. So what we found overall was about 16%. So we know, by, I just got to put a little side note in here, that we know some of the people that are struggling the hardest did not take our survey. They don't have time to do that. They're, they're, they probably didn't even hear about it. But in our sample specifically, about 16% of the women really have what we're call, had what we're calling a job withdrawal. And about 12, over 12% actually went the other way. They're working more hours, more jobs. So in terms of the people that really left or withdrew, um, that, that means different things. One of them, you know, is, of course, they just totally lost their jobs. A lot of women in, in retail and in hospitality and in food services, those were the ones that were hit the hardest, right? They either lost their jobs or they went from full-time to part-time not by choice and sometimes by, and I'm putting this in quote marks, choice, but sometimes you don't have a choice because how do you do a full-time job and and you're homeschooling three kids and you don't have childcare. And then some of them, you know, had different transitions, but then again, 12% actually took on more work, more hours at their jobs 
people, you know, they were saying, oh, we have to lay off some people. You're going to get more work. Or they just had to pick up an extra job. Or, you know, there's all kinds of things. So many, many people were impacted by this. And whether it was furloughs, whether it was, you know, uh, just downsizing of companies, totally shutting down companies, or you just don't know as a mom how in the heck you can actually make sure your kids don't you lose a whole year of education. And, and then we wrestle. What's more important? Food on the table, extra work, you know, it's it's really hard. So it's that's so a little hard. bit of the overview. Yeah, so are you saying that 16% of women in Utah had some sort of job withdrawal over the last year and a half or so? Yeah, absolutely. At least in our sample, we actually believe it's higher than that because many of the people in the, the greatest need categories did not. But yeah, that's a significant number of uh a percentage of women, and we think that impacts so many, many families around the state. Do you know how that compared to men? Because we know that uh, job loss isn't gender specific, but there are ways in which women have been significantly impacted in different ways based on the industries that they worked in. So how many men have lost their jobs in Utah over the last year and a half? So in our research, we didn't collect what men, how men have lost their jobs, but there's a report uh, that the Gardner Institute put out recently that says, said in Utah from 2019 to 2020, jobs held by women declined at more than twice the rate of men. So I, that's what we know. So I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but but the Gardner Institute and their economic data has found that that absolutely and and we know from our data we can talk about that in a minute because I want to hear your your stories as well. But we definitely see saw manufacturing and food services, the hospitality, of course, tourism and other things. And and you know, Lindsay, a lot of women work in those industries, not necessarily manufacturing, but there was a hit. But food services, hospitality, tourism, and retail. Yeah, it's really important to kind of narrow in on those markets and see what's happening. I can tell you, as you were describing, Dr. Madsen, the research that you found when women don't have childcare and then they're doing more work at home, but also doing more work for their work. I was like, check, check, check. (laughs) That kind of sounds like my situation. You know, just anecdotally, anecdotally, I can share that, um, you know, we quote unquote, chose to have our nanny not come back in um, at the start of the pandemic. And so both my husband and I have been working from home tag teaming the kids as we both try to work from our basement. And you just tend to get swallowed by that. Um, And it's been harder on my husband too. So that's not just to say it's been harder on me per se. But, um, you know, I think that you hear all these stories of women anecdotally, but now you have numbers to basically say, yeah, this is a thing. And Emily, I'd love to bring you in and hear your story as well on how, how do you feel like the pandemic has impacted you as a mom of five? Is it five? Yeah, five kids. You know, it's so interesting because as I listen to this research and have kind of read through this study that Dr. Madison put together, I, I it just gives voice, the numbers give voice to what we've been feeling and what we've known. And I can tell you, you know, um, yeah, sure, of course, me as a, a mother trying to deal with kids not having traditional school or school hours and you realize how dependent you are on those kinds of things for daycare. You know, we really do look toward our 
public school system as a form of daycare so that we can get our work done. And, you know, I was recently reading a few articles just talking about different um, women's experiences with this. And there was something that really struck me. And it was a woman um, who had been working at a bakery. And she just said, in the past year, if you're a woman and you have children, you just don't fit into the labor market. And 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 then reading other stories about, um, there was one about a security guard who'd actually brought their child to work because their child didn't have um, public schools. They weren't open and hiding their kid in a conference room with a bunch of books, hoping the kid wouldn't make noise so that they could do their job. You know, and another um, set of parents who had left an eight-year-old at home babysitting a two-year-old. And I think these things, you know, if you live in this idealistic world of, hey, I don't have kids and I would never do that, you know, like those things that we always think before we become parents. And and then the reality of 2020, 2021 hits and it's like, yeah, no, I, I get how we get there, you know, and, and this study has really just given light to, there's a lot of insecurities around where our finance is going to be. Do we have food security? What about our housing? Like all these things that have compounded for women and, and these little stories of, of people and how they've dealt with it. You know, it's been a, it's been a rough year and, and hopefully we'll find some opportunity in it. Yeah. We're chatting with Emily Bell McCormick and Dr. Susan Madsen, uh, Dr. Madsen from the Women in Leadership Project with all the new research on how women in Utah have been impacted by the pandemic. We'll take a break. We're going to dive more into this when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us, talking about how the pandemic has impacted women and mothers in particular today over the last year and a half, and this is still ongoing. We've been all, all been dealing uh, with this amended lifestyle, we'll call it, but it has impacted women significantly in different ways. And we all think that the pandemic, and we've certainly heard news reports and seen statistics on this, that the pandemic has impacted women disproportionately as they try to do their jobs and then come home and do their quote unquote second shift, trying to care for kids, the loss of childcare, the closure of schools just really has had a, a drastically, drastically different impact on women than men, I would say. Um, but you know, one of the things that has come from the pandemic is a lot of women now are working from home and telecommuting or teleworking rather. And, um, What's interesting to me is so many women are are looking for sort of that flexibility in their work-life balance that I wonder how that kind of plays into everything. So let me bring in Dr. Susan Madsen. She is with the Women in Leadership Project. They have um, new research on how the the pandemic has impacted women in Utah. And then I'll bring on Emily Bell McCormick as well. Uh, this is our episode called The State of Women in Utah. So Dr. Madsen, talk to me about this teleworking piece. How is this factoring into what women are experiencing right now? I have to say, it's an interesting topic. So 20 years ago, I finished a dissertation on telecommuting or teleworking and work and family conflict. So it's always been on my mind. And then about 19 years ago, I moved to Utah and we were so far behind other states on telecommuting and work and family policies and practices that we've been behind. But the pandemic 
if there's any bright spot, has really helped our company ship. Now, what's interesting is when we look at the data, what we do know is many women, especially more educated women, have had the opportunity, and I'm putting that in quote marks because it is an opportunity for many people to be able to still earn their money, paycheck, get that paycheck, and work from home. Yet we have to remember that some, many people didn't have that option. And, and, and they're even, in, you know, single mothers that had to go out and didn't have daycare and, and didn't have even that option of working with the chaos at home. So we have to remember that. But the key to one element of our research I thought was interesting. So we looked at where people worked. So we looked at, did, did you work during the pandemic on your site, at your company? Did you stay? You couldn't work at home. Or did you work at home and you've been doing that? for a while, or did you kind of have a combination um, of it? And we, and we looked at their mental health decline, their burnout, and their exhaustion. And actually, what I found the most interesting is women that said they stayed at work, they didn't work at home, actually had perceptions that they didn't they didn't have as much decline of mental health. Right. They had slightly <laughs> less burnout and slightly less exhaustion. So I thought that was fascinating. And the people that were used to working at home and kind of a mix or whatever did the best. But the people that, you know, really shifted to home, that was really a, quite a shift. Okay, that is big uh, so, time validation for me that I'm not going crazy is, over here that I'm like, why is this so hard for me? It's because it is hard. And I think sometimes we forget that as mothers, especially women who um, stay home and are working all day, managing emotions and caring for kids. And like, it is such a different mental energy than going to your office every day and doing a job that perhaps fulfills you, even if motherhood does fulfill you, it's still mentally and emotionally exhausting. And, and it's hard because my husband will come home from work and be like, well, I worked all day too. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You did. And Lindsay, so did Lindsay, I. It's called, it's called emotional labor. Right. That's right. what the term is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's so nice to have figures for that. Um, Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Emily, let me bring you in real quick on this conversation. Uh, talk to me about your experience with burnout, because I imagine this is a thing that is pervasive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think... You know, when we talk about that, those, it's not that surprising of a finding, right? I think most of us on this call who have tried to finagle both, which probably each one of us has at some point in time, when you're going through those child rearing years, a lot of us try to do things at home. And I definitely fall in that category of, you know, how can I do as much at home so that I, you know, my kids see my face and we've got that FaceTime and we can be together. And the reality is, I think we spend a lot of time, and again, anecdotally, um, being really angry at our computers for demanding that I return an email or demanding that I, you know, finish this project, um, and really angry at our kids for demanding that they that I can't finish it or demanding that they're taking me away. You know, so it's just this constant tug of war between your kids and your computer, you know, your computer and 
clearly we've talked about this many times before, you know, we all choose our kids in the end. There's no question, you know, families first and we love our children, but ultimately we do need to do our work and get it done. And so it doesn't surprise me because it is that emotional labor. It's so taxing when you're dealing with it both at the same time. So I think that this is a great moment of awareness for women as well. I, I came to this on my own a few years ago that when I'm able to go into an office, I can kind of, you know, cut tie, cut the ties for a moment and separate and say, I'm in this space now. I'm, I'm, my headspace is my work. I'm going to get it done. And then when I go home, I'm able to say my headspace is my kids and my family and I'm able to get it done. So it is, it's, it's a blessing and a curse to be able to have that flexibility I, to work from home. Yeah. I constantly feel like that where when I'm working from home, I have one foot in both doors where like, if I don't lock the door, <laughs> the children come in and ask for something. And, and I constantly feel like I'm failing my children because I can't give them my full attention when I have to do something for the office or do something for the work. So it's just kind of this like ever constant like stress and juggling act. I feel like I'm not handling very well. But nonetheless, we're all doing it. And it's nice to have numbers that sort of support what we're all experiencing. So uh, talking with Dr. Susan Madsen of the Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick with the policy project. It's our state of women in Utah episode. We're going to take a break and dive more into this topic when we come back on the mom show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world for kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning (laughs) and then someone hands you a baby. This is the mom show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. If you are just joining us, I am Lindsay Ertz, and we're having a conversation today about the state of women in Utah, which we do once a month here on the Mom Show. And joining me every episode for that, Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and then Emily Bell McCormick with The Policy Project. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. We've uh, kind of thrown out some of these statistics that, uh, Dr. Madsen, your research found that 16% of women in Utah are dealing with some sort of job withdrawal from the pandemic, whether that's leaving or um, having to cut back or something to that effect. Uh, we've also talked about this concept of burnout, how so many women who are working from home and trying to balance the kids and the family are also experiencing poor mental health when they don't go into the office, which my hand is high in the air. That is hundred percent something I can anecdotally say I'm experiencing. And then uh, I want to know, Dr. Madsen, what can we do? I mean, I think this pandemic has highlighted for women that there is, it is possible for businesses to be flexible and have us work remotely to have different hours. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had a baby at my feet while I've called a source for the news and he probably starts crying as I'm leaving a message for the mayor's press person. But like that is like, I wish we could sort of just shift our society and our culture to be like, that's the norm. That's what we do. Instead of having like, it'd be like, oh, no, can't pretend that I have kids, can't pretend, like, have to be 100%, like, I mean, I guess you want to be professional, and you've got to, you know, there are times where your kids can't be yelling in the background, but, like, I I hope the pandemic has sort of shifted us to this, like, this is just what we all do kind of mentality. 
I think it. I uh, that's a great comment. I th- I think it's going to more and more. I think it has, but I think you know work is not going to get back to exactly the way it was before. Now that we know we can actually keep things going, in in so many different ways. What we found specifically about burnout, and we've talked about that already, but we find that with moms, but we all also find that pretty much equal levels across all ages. So even my kids are older now and I have a couple grandkids. I love being a grandmother, by the way. Um, but Because you get I to give them back, that, right? Yes. <laughs> but I still feel that burnout at some level. And what we found across all industries and parts of the state is that burnout is there at least at minimum from, from somewhat agree to being burned to burn having burnout to agree and so a couple of things you'll find uh interesting is well let me let me say one more thing we also studied hope which was interesting we took an actual scale that's been used for decades and studied how how do people feel hope bottom line we actually have higher levels of burnout than we do of hope hope is still above neutral it's towards the agree but I thought that was interesting. So as soon as we get more hope than burnout, I think we'll know we made some progress. Just a couple of things. So we measured things across the state. And um, some of the highest areas of the state in burnout for women, well, the, big, the highest one was actually Salt Lake County. We had a lot of people in Salt Lake County. But I thought you would enjoy hearing the lowest. Still some burnout. But the lowest burnout and the highest hope was Washington County in St. George, where it's nice and sunny more often. So, and it was January when they were taking that. Where so everyone thought, has pools in their backyard. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's the answer. And then, then as I alluded to earlier, uh, we saw some of the highest burnout. Well. Food services was the highest burnout because I think people that were left are just working overtime, right? Um, so they were the highest, but we definitely saw saw burnout in certain areas uh, more than others. And one, another one I'll just mention is the nonprofit and community. So think about that. They're the ones that are helping, right? Getting out there and helping, so. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that's really interesting. Let me bring in Emily Bell McCormick. She's with the Policy Project. Uh, It's a group that goes and advocates for different policies that uh, help women and families in the state of Utah. Emily, what are are your thoughts on what businesses can do here as we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic and as you see uh, women struggling with burnout and women struggling with... um, you know, job withdrawal to some degree. What do you think? What do you think we need here in Utah? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question because we need something, right? And we're, we're seeing these numbers are real and we can't leave them alone. And I think, you know, one thing we can see from this and Dr. Madsen pointed this out earlier, there is an opportunity here. And the opportunity is there that, you know, we've dealt with um, gender disparities in, in the workforce forever. Actually, we've never not dealt with that. And this um, pandemic has kind of put it under the microscope. And in some ways, that can be a blessing, right? That we can take this opportunity to kind of look closely at, okay, what's happening? And it's happening at a more severe level than it has in recent history um, for women. And so what can we do? So you're absolutely right. There are 
two places that can be really helpful and that's a workplace and it's also the government you know these these two different entities can help and different workplaces have been kind of you know there have been some really smart things that they put into place you know offering extra sick leave for parents um offering reduced hours allowing people to work from home right um some that i've heard of and this was a really cool idea was one workplace when schools didn't open actually allowed they had the parents work from home and they brought in teachers to oversee um education of the kids who were being the education of the kids who were being homeschooled so they allowed the kids to come into the workplace and use the workplace and the parents to be at home you know so i think there are a lot of really cool things that the private sector can do and these kinds of times that are exciting and and neat and we should be using that that's how we progress as society is when we have some of that tension and strain on us it it, it um, creates an opportunity to really excel and, and think outside the box. So I think some of that has been done. It definitely needs to be done to a greater degree. Um, and then, of course, you know, our, our government, we really need to use this as an opportunity to examine things, especially things like childcare. You know, what are we doing? We have a funny um, double standard with, you know, not wanting to put in place childcare helps because there's kind of this thought that women, especially middle-class women should be the ones raising their children. And at home, we don't hold that across classes. Interestingly, you know, we kind of expect um, people in the lower socioeconomic class to be working, but middle-class should definitely be at home, you know, so we need to work our way around some of those ideas. And there's a lot with childcare that can be done. Even um, Senator Mitt Romney from Utah had proposed um, like a childcare credit, um, $300 a month. It's about $300 a month per kid um, if you're in the workforce. So there are a lot of really cool things that can happen, whether or not they are happening, you know, they're not, they're not yet, but, um, we will hopefully be getting to a point that this will open up a chance for us to be examining some of those things. Well, and Dr. Madsen, I don't know if you have research on this, but I, I keep preaching from this pulpit that like we need to shift our, our, it's like our work is at the top of the pyramid and our families are at the bottom kind of, and we work in order to like support our families. But what if we like flipped that on its head? Like what if businesses were more family friendly? Don't you think that would make more productive workers? Oh yeah. The the research has, has shown that, but it, it, okay. The research has, has shown a few different things, but the, the key is this. So the research has said, yes, family-friendly practices, flexibility are important. However, a major study last year said, if the culture isn't supporting that, if it's just a checklist, then it actually is not making a big difference. I mean, it does on the surface, but if you have like parental leave policies, uh, like paternity leave, and and the men, if they take any time, are looked down on. If they're like shamed for using that, then, then it really doesn't need move the needle as much. I wanted to say one quick thing uh, about Emily's uh, really important comment about childcare. In our research, all, less than five percent of these women said that their organization did anything related to. Now, now I'm putting my in quote marks here, additional childcare support or resources. So what I want to point out here is that means that nothing, zero, probably no conversations, no ideas, but companies these days, especially here in Utah, see they don't even talk about childcare because it's a 
public issue, not a private, not, I mean, it's a private issue, not a public issue. But so they, they think either, either let's not talk about it, or I have to have a whole facility in, you know, in, but there's a whole continuum of things in the middle. You can find resources and give your employees ideas. And yeah. is this making sense? Yes, that is a really, a really important point. There's a lot of gray area in the middle there. It doesn't have to be black or white, all or nothing. Okay. And this begs the question to me too. Do we fix the policies first from like a governmental perspective or, a, a, you know, just our societal mindset or do we have to fix the culture first and then the policies change i always wonder is it the chicken or the egg how does that work or does it just all happen at the same time um it does have to all happen at the same time in some ways because if you wait until one is done then it's going to be 10 or 20 years down the road and so we have to be doing public policy i mean that's important and i'm working directly on those and emily is too um, and, and working with government agencies and legislature, um, you know, I've been in a couple of conversations today with, with fabulous le- legislators in, in our state who are really care about these issues. But then organizations need to do their own thing and not wait to be, um, you know, dictated to. But, but I have to say, I just have to say, Lindsay and Emily, that in terms of like, women on corporate boards and different leave policies and so forth. The countries in the world that have mandated things are doing better. So we hope that we would all, you know, just do as CEOs and, uh, but it comes down to, to mandate sometimes, I have to say. That's really interesting. Okay, Dr. Susan Madsen with the Women in Leadership Project. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Uh, we're talking about the state of women in Utah. I feel like maybe we got off topic, but I don't care because it was a good topic. Uh, but talking about how the pandemic has impacted women in Utah specifically. We'll take a break more with these two on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Having a conversation today about the state of women in Utah. We do this segment once a month with Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project. And we talk about the things impacting Utah women specifically, and the pandemic is one of those. And uh, thanks to Dr. Madsen's research, we know that about 16% of women in Utah are dealing with some sort of job withdrawal. And that many women are dealing with burnout, and um, but there is some hope out there, which is good. We got into sort of a discussion uh, last segment about what businesses can do to sort of make things more family friendly. We also know that there's government policies that can make things more family friendly. Those things kind of have to happen in conjunction because apparently it's not just something where we can fix the culture and the policies change or fix the policies and the culture changes. But I just think we sort of have this mindset that like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, take care of your kids, you know, anything else is sort of seen as a handout. And I just sort of wish we could switch our our cultural message a little bit that we all took care of each other. And it was all sort of just more of a communal, um, you know, community based caring for each other. I, I sort of subscribe to that uh, mentality. 
But you guys, let me tell you this. There is one business in the world who's doing it right, in my opinion. Last week on The Mom Show, I had my good friend Natalie Andrews on, and she is a brand new mom to a 12-week-old baby. And she is the Capitol Hill reporter for The Wall Street Journal. And she's a very demanding job. It is very intense. She has nine months of maternity leave. And we're on Zoom right now, and I can see both your faces just rolling your eyes and shaking your head. Nine months of maternity leave, and her husband has about five. And I just asked her, I said, does this, how how does this this policy for you, I guess the company gives you five, and then you can take more on top of that. So she has taken some extended time there. But even five months is like an insane amount of uh, parental leave. And she said it really does just facilitate this culture of support, especially among the women who work in these high profile and, and high stress and really um, meaningful jobs uh, that it facilitates this type of culture where they talk about mom life and how they balance, you know, being reporters for Capitol Hill and then also, um, you know, being new mothers. And so I just wish that that was a universal thing that we that we subscribe to here in America. And I don't feel like it is. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that and and you know, you see those kinds of policies definitely in other especially in Europe and other other countries and of course there's always you know th- that other side where where when you have that those kinds of policies you do pay even higher levels of taxes. So so countries kind of go back and forth figuring out how to do that, but it it really is for other for certain countries a real high priority. In the US, um you really see a mixed bag. We have FMLA which you know looks at especially unpaid care work but or un- not pay- unpaid leave kinds of things but at least you're um you have your job when you come back but i've known women that are off for a week or two and then just start working again you know i on the other flip flip side a year and a half ago or so i was speaking in the now get this in the lithuania president's palace in lithuania europe and they had two year leaves and they were required to have them. And so on the other side, I really got some pushback from women who said uh, they didn't want that much time. They were totally get, getting themselves like out of the loop and, and so forth. So I, I thought there's an interesting thing in the middle where where you really get what you need and what you want. Some of us have busier minds and need part-time or need different things to do. But wouldn't it be ideal if we were able to give people what they shockingly need? (laughs) What a novel concept, Dr. Madsen. That's insane. Emily Bell McCormick, let me bring you into this. What was your first reaction when I told you my friend got nine months of maternity leave? Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, I'm thrilled for her. That sounds amazing, right? That's compared to six weeks. I think I got six weeks for mine. And it's just, you know, it's good because it means things are moving in that direction. The other thing that I keep thinking, though, that did echo in my mind, even when you said that is nine months at the beginning. In some ways, I think infants are a little, you know, they're sleepy and they're 
kind of hanging out. And in some ways it was easier for me to work during that phase in their lives. Um, and one thing that I've talked a lot with, like my sister, for example, she has a child that is pregnant with her second and has a great career. And I've tried to tell her the way that we view our career should be like, this is a lifestyle career. If I'm not able to, at, you know, 215, go to my child's program and then come back and, you know, kind of make up for it and be a little bit more flexible during the day and the way that I perceive my job and the way that I picture things going, it's not going to work. I'm going to burn out like we've been talking about in this show. You know, we're going to hit that burnout point. And so just being almost allowing ourselves to be more flexible in the way we think about our job. Like I don't need to be so hardcore that I can't take 20 minutes to, or, you know, can't take an hour and a half to go take my birthday boy to lunch today, you know, cause my son's birthday is today, you know, we're going to do that. So I think that part of that is just allowing ourselves to have that kind of flexibility and how we view it and say, I want to be here for the long term. I want to make this work. And so I'm going to be flexible with how I view this. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is that, is we feel like we have to work all the time because that's what our culture and our society demands of us. If we let up on the gas, we're perceived as less than or not in, you know, valuing our jobs or, you know, that's why I think we have it backwards. That's why I think we need to flip it on its head where taking that time is like, oh, that's that's seen as a cool thing. Like in my friend's company, that is what they did because the focus was on, you know, parents having this leave after you have a child. Right, and I think you're right. I mean, that is it, what you said earlier is exactly right. And frankly, I think we can start that in our homes, you know, like start flipping that. If we do it individually, it, it's that chicken or egg, which one comes first, the policies, the companies, the individuals, we kind of all have to get there and then it leads to the other things. Yeah, I think you're right. Dr. Matson. I'm going to let you have a final say here as we wrap up this segment of women in Utah, uh, the state of women in Utah. What is your final message to the women of Utah who may be feeling burnout, maybe going through some sort of job withdrawal because of the pandemic what do you want to say to them well i think i think reading and and being aware of the research can really help the more that we're aware of what's happening around us the more that we're aware of of our experience being not necessarily totally unique even though we're all unique people but but you're seeing this with other people it h- helps us know that that we're not alone that we actually can you know, there's there's things that we can do to really move forward. We have so many resources on at the Utah Women and Leadership Project, utwomen.org, that really research, but also resources and some different curriculum and different things. There's there's ways that we can learn and grow and then use that to help our children, to help people around us, to really help lift people, even though we're burned out, burned out, you know, sometimes and, and tired. Um, there's resources out there. And I, I just think this is such an interesting and important and timely topic. So I appreciate you inviting me again, uh, Lindsay, to talk about this. Always. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Ladies, thank you as always for this monthly episode we do called The State of Women in Utah. And we'll be back next week on The Mop Show.